We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of the land on which we are living. We pay our respects to their elders, both past and present. Welcome to another episode of Life in Color with me, Nicole, Anissa, Sherry Rose, and Leanne. So welcome to Life in Color, and uh, unfortunately, Anissa and Sherry Rose will not be joining us today. But hey, we have a new friend. Her name is Idil, and hey, Idil, how are you? I'm good. Ah, uh, you're good. <laughs> yeah. uh, so Idil, tell us a bit about yourself. Okay, so I'm. My name is Idil Ali, and I'm 20. I am a woman of color. Um, I'm a black Muslim girl, um, refugee parents. Uh, living in Melbourne for about 11 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, born in New Zealand and am a student working, doing youth work and stuff. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Busy girl. Born yeah. in New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> How does it compare to Australia? Um, I can't remember. I left when I was four. Lived okay. in America. <laughs> okay, fair enough. We're a moving family. <laughs> so what will be the show about today in the end? It's about um, fashion and Fashion cultural... and cultural appropriation. So there's a few different... Themes. We're talking about the importance of fashion, um, how that relates to us personally, how it relates to society, and yep. also talking about the cultural element of it. Yep. So, I mean, so I'll start beginning talking about why fashion matters and why it's not frivolous because it's often quite dismissed as something superficial, and obviously it can be superficial. It's literally what you wear and the first thing you see. But I also think it has a lot of cultural and symbolic significance. Yep, that's uh, true. And I think. It should be seriously analyzed in the same way as something like technology analyzed. And fashion can be good or it can be bad, but it's important that we take it seriously. And I think often it's dismissed because it's associated with women and what women wear. And it's like, oh, women are just obsessed with fashion. It's stupid. And I think the easiest way often to see how important it is, is like from a historical lens by having that distance. So like if you think about like royal families, What do they wear? They have crowns, they wear silk robes, certain colours like purple have specific associations. Yeah. These things convey power structures, um, different dynamics, or even like gender and racial dynamics. The fact that men aren't allowed to wear sk- skirts anymore, that that's, yeah. you know, like what does that say about society? I think, um, yeah, fashion can have a lot of political significance, like even like with the burkini debate, the fact that a clothing item like that yeah. can cause so much uproar. Yeah. Um, It's quite interesting. And I think, yeah, someone who really illustrates maybe the importance of this is Diana Reelan, who's an ex-Vogue editor. um, And later in life, she became a special consultant of the Costume Institute of Metropolitan Museum of Art. And she kind of viewed history through clothes and the way, what it represented. So she has this quote, "Um, fashion is a part of our daily lives. It changes all the time with all events and you can even see the approaching of a revolution in clothes. You can see and feel everything in clothes. So I think that's quite interesting. And she, yeah, had an exhibition about the 18th century woman, which um, was significant because that's when kind of the French Revolution happened mm-hmm. and um, especially with Marie Antoinette. And one of the iconic, you know, things that Marie Antoinette wear was an apron. And she, and she also had like um, dresses that, up to the ankle where usually people wore them um, for kind of floor length mm-hmm. and she kind of appropriate these styles from her servants mm-hmm. because she saw her servants running around in the field and yeah. she was like this kind of bored aristocrat woman so she f- 
kind of projected these servants leaving these really exciting lives and wanted so she appropriated their clothes in reality of course these servants were like exploited were impoverished there were huge growing inequalities and you know that's why you have the french revolution so i think that's interesting because it shows how out of touch these aristocratic women were and i think that says something so this ties into cultural appropriation in some ways because it's like people often are like oh it's just clothes get over it why don't you talk about something more important something more significant but I actually think it does have a lot of, um, yeah, importance. And just as, like, Mary Antoinette was quite, not necessarily malicious, but quite naive, that doesn't change that, like, the fact that she was living in, like... Privileged like, life, yeah. Yeah, really rich life, Versailles, and, like, she was in this luxury life and the peasants were starving. doesn't, like, change the impact of that situation. So I guess, yeah, cultural appropriation is not necessarily about intention or someone being bad. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, often they do it just to have a party, but they can still have very negative consequences yeah especially from the people that they're appropriating yeah yeah yeah. and i think that's what people yeah forget um and then the other part is like how which we'll go into later um talk about how you can express yourself through fashion and like how it can be a statement either culturally or it could even be something like you you're you're feeling like a really strong person you want to wear a leather jacket like it's kind of a way that you communicate with people because it's the first thing you see mm-hmm. so a question i'm going to post to you sorry i've been talking um okay firstly what kind of cultural and symbolic significance do you think fashion has for you guys mm-hmm. is it for yourself personally or within society well personally in my opinion as being a filipino woman um, I'll just give you a little bit of a background of the Filipino history. Okay. And it, um, Filipinos, the first inhabitants of the Filipinos were actually Negritos and Aitas and migrants from um, Malayans and um, Muslim traders from Indonesia. These were the first people in the Philippines. But um, there was a time on the year 1521 when this good man... As what they say, um, Christopher Columbus set his voyage <laughs> to um, an all-water voyage to throughout Asia. Then um, one of his um, one of his servants named Ferdinand Magellan um, arrived in the Philippines in 1521, and as soon as he stepped his foot on the sea on the Philippine shore, he said, "Ah, oh, this land is for my king, which is Philip." Um, King Philip II. And um, so colonization of the Philippines from the Spaniards run for um, 300 years. Yeah. And it has really, truly distorted um, our history, our um, identity as Filipinos, because when they were there, they did just not... Um, uh, you know, they did just not colonize, but there was that intent to colonize with these people wearing a colonized uh, outfit. Do you know what I mean? Like when they colonize a, a people from, you know, like P- Filipino people and were tribes and things like that, there should be like a colonized, colonizational outfit. Do you know, like where, where they would say that um, they would require every um, uh locals from that country to wear what they wear so that okay, yeah. they would seem uh they would to civilize them yeah, yeah like yeah. it's like for them it's like a self-affirmation that uh this is uh this is this Your philippines land, yeah. it's our land right. and things like that and it's been really distorted since when you read the filipino books the national or the ethnic um 
uh, attire of the Filipino clothing would not be considered as the one that our first inhabitants would wear. Because if you see in the books, even in the history books, they would consider the uh, Barot Saya and Barong Tagalog, which were the um, two uh, two outfits worn during the Spanish civilization, um, to be uh, they they would consider this one to be uh, our national uh, wear. Yeah. So it seems like that uh, the Philippine fashion has been. Um, disregard from the very first start and um that's why i think that um filipinos does not connect um fashion and the original culture in our society so it's always about uh being a filipino would think that they would really look good or they would really look representable if they wear um spaniard like clothing or American-like clothing. Well, so. And that still happens in contemporary society. Yeah, it does. Like, nobody wears <laughs> nobody wears tribal clothes there yeah. because they would think it's a joke. Yeah. But in reality, it shouldn't be... Um, uh, that should be everyday wear. Yeah, because yeah. it's the Philippines, and Philippines is an island, and the people there are yeah. um, locals. But even the people there disregard that clothing because they don't uh, deem it relevant. Yeah. Instead, they deem it to be, you know, they don't take it seriously. Yeah. To me, uh, as like maybe how these colonizers would think that, you know, because they want to change everything, they want to change your clothes, they yeah. want to change your um way of living, things like that. And yeah, that's just about Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> how about you? Yeah, um, I I could really relate to the the point you made about in terms of like clothing, and yeah. I feel like. When you're going in, when you go to like, um, if you're going to work, for example, you wouldn't wear your cultural clothes, like, yeah. and it's really stressful because we would want to, but we wouldn't be taken seriously. Yeah. And then the backlash for that is, well, if you guys don't wear clothes of your culture, so it it, it takes away from it. So when people appropriate it, yeah. it's seen as like, well, it's not like I've never even seen you wear it. Like, yeah. Why are you getting all caught up about it? Why are you getting so upset? So yeah. upset about it because that's not even something you identify with and it's like mm. well i do i like if i go to a somali wedding i would wear a dira because yeah. that's my traditional clothing and and it's different because you see the younger generation sometimes want to wear dresses because they because they're like you know this is my opportunity to like get dressed up oh, and then yeah. they see like what they see in the media as yeah. how you should get dressed yeah. up yeah with and then they get there and you're kind of like this is a somali wedding you're supposed to be wearing traditional somali Likewise. clothes yeah Mind you, did I just go off? They're they're gorgeous, so yeah. I don't even know what they think they're doing. But <laughs> but there's that, like, yeah. it, it's like a subconscious thing. It's not like trying to, yeah. like, disengage from your culture. It's just thinking that's what you're supposed to do, and that's yeah, what yeah. getting dressed up is. Yeah. Well, I guess yeah. If yeah. That's what all of media is telling you. Yeah. Yeah. That's the norm. Yeah. Yeah, like the idea of um, you know, distorting your identity and things like that, and. Yeah, I just want to know, like, what does young people think about, you know, like, the traditional wares and their ethnic wares is, like, you know, if they were brought up here in Australia, would they think that it would be still appropriate to, you know, represent themselves or associate themselves with those traditional wares? Or I think it would be made fun of I think, yeah, at yeah. the end of the day. Like, if I went to my graduation, yeah. like, I... 
to me, it didn't even occur to me to where I did it to my graduation. Afterwards, I was like, oh, it's a yeah. ceremony. Yeah. I'm graduating high mm-hmm. school. I should have worn something that represents me. me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I just didn't because it didn't occur to me. And I like, because there's a time and a place. Yeah. And we're taught by this society that you can wear your traditional clothes when there's a multicultural like event, when, event yeah. that yeah. we when we <laughs> organize for a day. yeah <laughs> for a day bring your food bring your clothes bring your culture for that day don't speak in your language because we can't understand it yeah but that's about it like yeah. and then go back home put that clothes back in the cupboard and yeah. don't bring it out again until next year we have this same festival Except like yeah yeah that's definitely a good point yeah. yeah you don't you can't wear it at um certain designated events it has to be yeah. this is a multicultural yeah. cultural yeah, yeah. event yeah. it's not but white is the normal it's the yeah yeah, yeah. and um, maybe just this people doesn't understand that um, the the things we wear or the fashion that we represent is not just you know like something to show off it's not for their consumption yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like you know it's our identity it's who we are yeah. and it's really funny because like they want to be controlling until to you know until where they can control everybody. Yeah, yeah. it seems like based on what you're saying that yeah. like you kind of can see power through fashion. So like like what is fashionable, what's conceived as fashionable at these important ceremonies is yeah. what constitutes power. And the yeah. fact that people you don't even think or you can't even wear without um, feeling stupid these traditional clothes shows that there's like this hierarchy of what cultures are more important than yeah. others yeah. through these clothes. Yeah. And I guess the reason why it's, it comes through close is because the first thing you th- the most obvious thing about someone is often what like they the wear. Like the visual. Yeah, yeah yep. it's the visual part. So it's like an easy way to mark someone yeah. as like you're accepted or you're not. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And we judge, you know, usually people would judge you like how they see you. Yeah. And how they see you, they would, you know, there would be assumptions in their brain yeah. of who you are yeah. and what you're doing and where you come from. It's not even necessarily overt. Like, when you meet someone, you can't help but look at them, yeah. you know? And then there's all these associations. Yeah. Like you're saying, it's subconscious. You're not yeah. you're yeah. not even thinking, about, thinking it. about it, but you're like... Obviously, taking it in. Taking it in, yeah. Yeah, because that's what they told us and... That's what um, the media is spreading throughout all, you know, it's like it's the inf- that information is the key information, which is not yeah. good. But now we want to talk about more in-depth uh, cultural appropriation. So Idil, take it away. <laughs> Maybe you can start with like what exactly is what? cultural yeah, appropriation? What exactly yeah. is cultural appropriation? So Enlighten I- us. Um, I would say cultural appropriation is when you wear something from someone else's culture um, without permission and when those people from that culture are not allowed to wear it in like in the same circumstances, when they're not allowed to be proud of their clothes, when they're discriminated against for wearing things that come from their culture and when they don't feel comfortable, when there's law, like not so much laws, but policies and um, cult- like societal views yep. in place making it impossible for them to yeah. wear yeah. Backlash. yeah yeah like um can you give us like a situation in in regards to that like an example for it okay so in talking about cultural appropriation you can talk about cultural appreciation as well yep. so for example my friend Manveer had a 21st earlier this year and she invited me and she's um Indian and so is her family and she in she asked me to wear a sari because she wanted everybody there to be in traditional Indian clothing. Yep. So at first I was like, oh, 
am I allowed to do that? Yeah, yeah. Because I, I know a bit. So yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, like, made sure with her that, like, I discussed it with her being like, are you sure that's not going to be cultural appropriation? And yeah. she was like, um, I would like you to wear it, and I'm going to have everyone there wearing it. Everyone there is going to be Indian except for you and one other girl. Mm-hmm. And, um, that like, that's what I would, like, would like so i went there and i was wearing a sari and it was lovely like it was beautiful her everybody it was shocking not to see anybody else <laughs> i was like this is weird white people are normally everywhere but they weren't. <laughs> um except for servers um and it was really it was really fun and i loved it but if i was to go and wear that sari another time like if i was to just um on a Halloween yeah, party. don't do that. At a Halloween party or <laughs> or um, a music concert, for example. If oh, I was no. to go wear yep. a sari because yep. I decided I wanted to be different, that's yep. not my culture. I'm not allowed to do that. Yep. And it's not fair because her, for example, wouldn't be able to just go to university wearing a sari, sari yeah. without getting backlash, yep. without people being like, hey, what's today? Why are you wearing it? Yeah. 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 yeah? Oh, I was going to yeah, that's the thing about what you were saying about Halloween and yep. music concerts, that that's, tr- that's usually the places where people culturally appropriate. And people are like, oh, I'm just appreciating the culture. But it's like, you don't wear like a sari to go to uni. You don't mm. wear a sari for your job interview. Yep. You don't wear a sari graduation. You don't wear a sari at places that are important. You wear a sari... Um, to be interesting or to be exotic or like as a co- basically you wear it as a costume. Yeah. yeah. And when you're wearing something as a costume, it's not appreciation. That's not yeah. appreciation. You're, you're taking a joke. Yeah. yeah. yeah you're and not so, taking serious. And yep. other people who who that culture belongs to, they they don't feel. Yeah. <laughs> it's <laughs> not funny. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's not amusing at all. Yeah. And yeah, there are also some situations like that that are very known, which is with the. Mark Jacobs thing. Oh God. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So basically, what happened was Mark Jacobs um, had a fashion line, and all the models. There was not not even like one token black model. Yeah. There usually, was, there's a token black. There wasn't model. even not, not one. <laughs> like he's not even trying to be low key anymore. He's like, you know what? I don't care. What are they gonna do about it? And legitimately, like, and having oh, having one of the Kardashians. Online already, we have a problem with that family, and they. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no. She just have to say it. It's, I had to. Um, they were wearing they were wearing like um dreadlocks, and it was like this is just like just after this there was the um what happened with Chastity Jones, the black woman who um tried to appeal to the to the federal court about how she wasn't being treated right at work. Mm-hmm. Um. And they were basically like, well, you can change your hair. It's not something that's permanent. So it's mm-hmm. not discrimination against um, against you because you can just change your hair. When it's not like that, it's yep. yeah, it's all black hairstyles. Like even in the army, like they have women, black women serving in the army in the US and they're not allowed to wear their natural hair. Really? Yeah. yeah just to give a bit of background information. So um, Chastity Jones was... Um, rescinded from a job offer because of her dreadlocks mm-hmm. and so she tried to take it to the high court which she lost with the equal employment opportunity commission yeah. so yeah i guess like that's interesting where it's like mark J makes the case that yo we're appreciating dreadlocks yada yeah. yada 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 but the thing is if we're appreciating dreadlocks then why can't black women get jobs with dreadlocks yeah you know, there's <laughs> why are you not giving black women with dreadlocks a job, job? Jobs. Yeah, yeah. So clearly, yeah it's clearly yeah and the fact that he's profiting it from it like yeah. and then not How giving black him. women yeah yeah, yeah. 
and the and people then, who sorry go <laughs> no but to be like edgy and cool, cool and this, yeah, yeah and this idea like he's they're always saying like a lot of these fashion designers that aren't of african descent are always being like you know african influences like yeah. which africans this is the whole continent <laughs> who who's influencing you yeah like where are you getting it from and then on top of that how come nobody's getting money yeah yeah no like which I'm not going to speak for like all Africans, but me myself, I can't afford Marc Jacobs. Yeah. yeah. So who's he appealing to? He's yeah. appealing to white people to give them a bit of like more acceptable Afro, like not even like African things, like African influence things, things that yeah. that I'm going to sell to you, and I'm not going to give Africans credit for because we don't want it to be too African. Yeah. Just enough <laughs> that you can like have a bit of fun with. Yeah, and it's like if you're an artist and you contribute to like the style of a design, you you get compensated for that, yeah. you know. Your labour gets appreciated. But yeah. so this is just blatant rip off. Yeah. But yeah, the thing about um and the thing is the people who appreciate I wonder if the people who appreciate dreadlocks in this fashion exotic sense who dress up at these festivals, do they then campaign for these women who don't get jobs? Like Yeah, yeah. that's why I have yeah. a problem with the Kardashian <laughs> women who are profiting off of black bodies. Yeah. Yep. And then when yeah. we're talking about the Black Lives black Matter black. rally where they are like where is why are they not campaigning for black people Kim is married to a black man where is she at (laughs) (laughs) Kim text us us what are you doing where are you at find us on Facebook (laughs) Life in Colour Kim (laughs) that's really funny yeah and it's really ridiculous like you wanted the way they look yeah. But you don't want to give yeah. them credit for it. For yeah. And on yeah. top of that, like with black women's bodies, like you Yeah, like the body distortion and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like you don't even want black women, you want black women's body shapes on white women. White women, yeah. Like it's ridiculous, right? It's crazy. It's it's it's, it's insane basically. Like the Iggy Zalia where she oh. got butt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should see Adil's it, facial expression when oh. he said Iggy Zalia. <laughs> Don't even want to hear that name. <laughs> no. But yeah. yeah, it's like appropriate, appropriate entire, like the, yeah, entire black look, black accent. Yeah. yeah, like black accent is really black music, black, black music, yeah, black like, culture. But she doesn't talk about political. Yeah, but black, black slang. Oh my yeah. god. Um, you do know that she did that weird thing with Kendrick Lamar where she she's rapping, <laughs> attempting to rap. Um, she's pretty incoherent. But when they played <laughs> it back really slowly and like tried to like decipher what she was saying yeah. they found out that she was just like mimicking Kendrick Lamar like one of his like older songs oh. so she basically just stole a song of her black boyfriend's um I think it was brother or cousin or something yeah Kendrick um just stole her song like just yeah, oh, oh so subtly and then we were all like <laughs> what just happened and then she got blasted because you know black <laughs> twitter goes hard <laughs> It does go hard. Yeah. yeah, so why are we talking about, um, why are we trying to differentiate appropriation versus appreciation? Like, Cause, um, yeah, because yeah. we want to stop appropriation. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think another example, maybe to highlight the difference between the Mark Jacob one, is that, or maybe or, or, mm. it's with like, um, with designers, is so Dolce Gabbana recently did a line of hijabs. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Um, and Uniqlo also did a line of Muslim clothes, but with Uniqlo, I might be pronouncing this wrong, but they did it with this Malaysian Japanese, oh, not Malaysian, sorry, Muslim Japanese designer called Hana Tajima. Yeah. So in that instance, they got a Muslim designer to yeah. do something with them. So obviously she, firstly, it would be not like this weird, like African or like Muslim <laughs> thing. It's like it actually, it came, yeah. yeah and yeah. she's obviously getting paid. Yeah. And, and so 
for, for, for why I gathered. So Nisa couldn't make it, but she was telling us that um, the Muslim community felt different about that because yeah. they involved someone. So yeah. I guess, yeah, what do you think? So do you see the difference between the kind of Uniqlo and the Dolce Gabbana case? Or the I, I felt like Hara had a say in it. Like, say, yeah. So it was more... Uniqlo was working collaboratively with her mm-hmm. rather than taking her stuff, not giving her, her credit, credit, and then making money off of it and then trying to sell it to other Muslim What's people. That? Whereas Dolce & Gabbana, like... <laughs> <laughs> okay, but, like, they didn't even come up with anything new. They literally got plain black abayas, which is, like, yeah. the long garments. Yeah. And it's just, like, I have so many of them. Like, yeah. So many. And... They didn't do anything new or inspiring. Yeah. They didn't do it with any Muslim people. And, like, Muslim women are killing the game right now. Like, mm. fashion is so many Muslim women well, doing amazing things. things. So if they talked to, like, one or two of us, yeah. they would have, like, they would have been onto something. Uh, they literally got this black scarf with, like, daisies, like, you know, the Dolce Kamana, like, yeah. daisies. And I, I'm i not even lying. I literally have that hijab. <laughs> like, I have it. So I looked at it and I was just like, oh, my God. I how was much like did a good, you pay like, for how much did do- how much uh, just a doctor can buy? Ten bucks. Ten bucks, there you go, bargain. <laughs> yeah, it was on sale, which was lovely. And I was just like laughing, being like I was like a good three or four years before Dodger Kamana. Yeah, trendsetter here. Yeah, you know me. Yeah, and so like so that might be like example of cultural exchange or, yeah, exchange yeah. because it's done something collaboratively yeah. whereas something else is... Yeah, how about um cultural appro- appropriation in terms of language? Like... um. The famous N word. <laughs> oh, okay, so no, but like I feel like the most the most common argument for people wanting to use the N word is like you know it's reverse racism which doesn't exist mind yeah. you, um, <laughs> and then being like well if you're allowed to use the word why can't we use the word and it's like well we're not in the same place of power yeah like I can use the word because I'm black you can't use the word because you're not black. The reason why specifically white people can't use the power is cause, use the word is because they're in a place of power. So yeah. that word is not taking away their power. Yeah. Like, they're not... It's an, There's not a system in place to suppress them. Yeah, definitely. So it's a completely different situation. Yeah. And often, like, I hear the argument, like, because I've had a, arguments about this with some people, and they were like, you know, but you guys use it in your music. If you're using it in the, your music, why can't we use it too? We listen to your music. We pay for your music. We go to your concerts, you know. We're fans. And I'm like, <laughs> first of all, you buy all the tickets, so I wish you guys, less of you guys were fans <laughs> because you guys are causing problems for me. Yeah. But then on top of that, they're like, you know, it's in the music, it's in the music, and they keep going on and on about how it's in the music and they can't help and they just want to they're real and they want to sing the songs but the thing is the music isn't for you yeah Mm. it's literally not for you Mm. so it's a privilege that you're able to To listen listen to to our music and enjoy it so for you to listen to our music and then say we should be able to say the n-word because they're saying the n-word is so messed up because it's not even for you and i think that doesn't occur to a lot of white people because they're so entitled so they think everything is for For them them. i was gonna say I don't know what specific that listen yeah. to, but a lot of hip hop is very black nationalist. So yeah. I'm not sure why they pay attention to the lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. No, it's actually no. It's ridiculous because my friend was telling me last night about how she went to Kendrick Lamar and there was all right. It's like we're gonna be all right. Yeah. And it's like, and they're singing it, and it's like, well, you're you're better you're than right. all right. You're doing great. <laughs> I don't know why. Why are you singing about being all right? And then there was like that song about complexion, which he wrote about, like you know, he was talking about colorism yeah. of like being darker yeah. and lighter yeah. and like how we have yeah. like. And the whole reason colorism exists is because there was like, you know, yeah. house N-word and yeah. field N-word. Like, yeah, yeah. so it was because they caused that division yeah. that it exists. Yeah. And it's like, 
we're not talking about... So you can see the white people so proud, like, look at him talking about how complexion isn't that big of a deal. He means my complexion and their complexion and we're all one human being. And it's like you completely misunderstood. The re- It's not yeah. for them, so they misunderstand so, all the time. Yeah. And they don't understand. Yep. And it's like, this song is about colorism. It's not about your yeah. complexion and my complexion yeah. being the same and us being one human being, one love. Like, yeah. it's not. We're different. Yep. So it's not that hard to listen to a rap song and not say yeah. And on top of that, like I feel so bad for black artists because imagine being there and everybody because all the white people buy the tickets first. Imagine all these white people singing the N word to you because you're singing a song and they're singing it back. Imagine like that. Oh, I would be so stressed out if there was a whole (laughs) concert full of people (laughs) singing the N word. They're calling me a slave. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how they persist. Like. Oh, artists, black artists. We should ask. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. How interesting, are you guys yeah. Doing? And a lot of people have caught cultural appropriation or like these different things, neo colonialism. So I think that's an interesting thing to think about because, like you were saying, it's about the history, it's about the power structures. Yep. Yeah. You can't just talk about, oh, we're all equal, blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 because these, these words came from. Yeah. yeah, Pacific history, and it's important to, but that's yeah. no one learns his, these yeah. kind of history, which is. Definitely. They're not taught. Yeah. They're not taught, yeah. Yeah, but they just don't, I think they just don't realise, you know, like, what Idil has mentioned a while ago when um, there's a black concert and there's white people in the audience that they do not realise that it is their privilege yeah. that they are there yeah. in the same area listening to the music yeah. that isn't, you know, that isn't really for them. Like, yeah, and they're it, creating an unsafe space for the black people that are there. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah no, because you get there and then all these people are saying the N-word and you're there like... God, what good... is going on? And yeah, you're just, yeah. and you're there, and you're like, I'm here to have a good time. And you're trying to yeah. get hyped, and you're like, you know what? Like, you go home, and you're like full on reliving, and you're stressed the hell out. Like, really it's shit. really yeah. And I think they don't. It's not something they have to consider. So if yeah. you don't have to consider it, it's not something you know. Yeah, it doesn't bother you. You're not bothered. You you had a great time. You go tell everyone about how you went and saw Kanye, how you saw Kendrick, <laughs> had a good old time. <laughs> I just love Jay Z, and you're and we're here like. <laughs> Yeah, no, it got ruined. (laughs) Not that good. Yeah, Yeah, it's really... I don't want to be, you know, like a hater, but it's really different (laughs) as well. It's like that song about, like, that everyone's been doing dance to, and there's a bit in the song, it's like, um, yeah, you know my hair nappy, and you know how, like... Juju will nappy? I can't remember what it's called, but everybody, (laughs) everybody, like, there's, like, all these white people dancing to it, and it's like that bit where it says, you know my hair is nappy. Like, why you... I don't know. We're reclaiming the word nappy because yeah. it's used so much to yeah. like talk like negatively about black hair. Yeah. And then all these white people are touching the hair like, you know my hair nappy? And I'm like, <laughs> no. no? <laughs> what? <laughs> oh. And then they dance really terribly as well. And then and then people are like, hashtag, then they hashtag their selves, hashtag white girls killing the game. And you're like, that's not the point of this song away. at all. <laughs> you killed everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are killing. <laughs> oh my God. If you could ju- guys just see Idil's face every time. I'm just really stressed yeah. out. Uh, <laughs> I think you want to talk about South Africa. And yeah. Bit. I was going to talk about um, the girls high school that wouldn't allow them to wear their hair naturally. And if they did had like really specific rules. Oh. So like in terms of like, if they wanted to wear cornrows or braids or dreads, they'd have to be 10 millimeters or less in diameter. So wow. really fine hair like do you yeah. do they bring can, the rollers out I'm, uh, <laughs> I assume they well they're encouraging them to fix it other yeah. ways yeah. so I think 
the general consensus is like you relax your hair instead of even going through any of that and yeah. that way you like you get in less trouble basically yeah. and like um in what you're saying in terms of like power and policing yeah. this is south africa it's yeah. africa yeah. the apartheid and i think people like like to think about things like racism happening so far long ago yeah. but it ended in 94 because no. it was two years before i was born so 22 years ago yeah shit that is yeah, yeah. that's that's not even a lifetime like yeah. Yeah. so so that to have these ideas of Eurocentric beauty in South Africa, yeah. a country where the people are African, yeah. where they're supposed to have that type of yeah. hair, is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it's not even you can't even say that this is Australia. Yeah, so it's like, yeah. well, actually, it's actually indigenous land, but yeah, <laughs> and it belongs to black people. Black people, yeah, yeah. It's just maybe in England. <laughs> That's it. Oh, uh, didn't they have the more people? Oh God, they just got. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, you can't even have African hair in Afri- Africa. Africa yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous, and it's like it, it comes down to like the idea of like capitalism. Of yeah, tr- we there's a big industry of making money off, off of making black people hate their bodies, yeah. making ethnic people as a whole hate yeah, their bodies. bodies. Yeah. Like the money, there's like um there's a Indian temple that makes a lot of money from. Because um, people sacrifice their hair there, and basically really? they sell the hair and they sell it to South Africa. And there's like this, just like low key, you just find out about like random things like that. That's you're so like, odd. So they sell it to South Africa because what are they gonna do with the hair? People are sacrificing their hair, yeah. and then they sell the hair, and the temple makes a lot of money. Yeah. And it's just it's just one of those things by luck that they were like, oh well, people Indian people give, and it's because African people are made to hate their hairs and they need to buy. Weeks and weaves. Yeah, yeah, weaves and these things because they're told that their hair is not good enough. And even if it is, it like there's so many black women that are empowered and they're like, my hair is beautiful. But they know that if they go into, um, they go f- to find work, work and yeah. they go, they, they're going to be discriminated they, against. Yeah. And we've seen evidence that they have been discriminated against. Yeah. So it's not like they're being illogical. They know they have to go yeah. out in the world and make money and live. It's like know? a survival thing. You yeah. have to be strategic. Yeah. yeah. And that's an unfortunate. Yeah. And there's this idea of like, if we teach them to love themselves, black women are out there loving themselves. Self, yeah. But <laughs> the rest of the world don't love us. Like, that's yeah. the problem. <laughs> no, that's a really good point. Because yeah. like, um, I was saying, there's that H&M ad showing diversity, being like, we're fashion forward, love yourself. And that's the thing that people always want to put forward. It's like, oh, you just got to love yourself. But it's yeah. like, they don't really look at the political significance. It's just Especially like, with those ads telling you to love yourself and then they're making money from selling you things. Things, that yeah. mostly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. And there have been a few articles um, pointing out the hypocrisy of H&M saying that they've kind of gone onto the bar bandwagon of feminism because it's been big. And it's been big because a lot of prominent feminists have put the labour and effort to making a big issue. Yeah. But they don't really care. Like, most of their labour is used by exploiting... Um, Developing countries. countries and predominantly yeah. women in developing in countries. countries yeah. Yeah. Like there was an incident where they found like underage Syrian refugees in some of their, yeah, um, yeah factories. factories. Yeah. So it's like it's messed up. So you know they sell this job, love yourself, love yourself. But what what are they actually doing to like society? Like yeah. what what are we actually doing to helping? Yeah, yeah and they don't want us yeah. to actually love ourselves because yeah. if they wanted us to love ourselves, they would sell- be selling <laughs> you. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> and it's like love yourselves but here Loki I'm going to put a co- bunch of women in this campaign that don't look like you yeah. and I'm going to photoshop them yeah. so that you will say love yourself but you look at it and you're not going to love yourself but then no. you think if I do these things I will love myself yeah. and it's like if you don't love yourself now after doing a million things you still won't love yourself you know yeah. babies love yourselves <laughs> <laughs> and don't let these people exploit you like yeah. 
It's very difficult because yeah. it's so like subconscious. Yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. Ads, media. Yeah. So for you guys, uh, what what do you do, or like how do you approach what you wear, what you clothes? Because we have to wear clothes. We have to present us a certain way. Even people who say they don't care about fashion, I feel like that's a fashion statement. Like being anti fashion is a fashion statement. If you think yeah. of punks, if you think of counterculture, like yeah. trying to look not mainstream is like a statement. So I don't know. How do you approach what you wear out of interest? Oh, see me and myself. I don't know because I I started this thing where I like um, wear my socks over my tights. Oh, mm. so then like I kind of like just the bottom, and I like it because I like I most of the time. So I'm not doing it today, but like when I wear like <laughs> longer socks, I do it because I like how cute they are. And nobody can see them if they're under my tights. Oh. So then um, and then I like every once in a while I'm like oh like if I'm going to certain places I'm like don't do it. It's so lame. Someone's gonna say something. And then I'm like no because I like it. I think it's cute. So I'm gonna cute. do it anyways. So it's like this rebellious like check yourself all the time yeah. and like. And I try really hard that when I have a thought that's criticizing to be like, okay, why am I having this thought? thought yeah. Like, what is in this space and who are these people that are making me yeah. think like think twice? Yeah. You know? It's a good approach. Yeah, in my position, um, I don't know if that, I'm that fashionable <laughs> enough. <laughs> you but, but, you know, it's like, it's how you represent yourself. It's how you present yourself. And I don't think that, you know, people should be like, especially people from ethnic backgrounds be... Um, hold against for wearing like their traditional clothing and stuff because basically me as a Filipino woman I cannot wear my traditional stuff here yeah it's, it could be silly and but yeah fashion could be it could even be something like um, I don't know like maybe you have a clothes that like gives you comfort or yeah. maybe you have like a leather jacket that makes Wait, you feel strong make or... you feel strong make you feel you know yeah like twice as That's powerful cool. yeah. <laughs> things like that and yeah but to end this discussion I would want to ask the both of you and everyone who's listening is what is fashion for you like when you think of the word fashion it's like what comes in your mind is it you know beyond the capitalism <laughs> stuff <laughs> I mean fashion could be in a good and in a bad way yeah and yeah I think it's self-expression. So yeah. I feel like um, we were talking about this before. We were talking like um, when we were off air. We were, <laughs> we were saying like if fashion doesn't reflect, because it's supposed to reflect oneself, so yep. it should reflect the population. Okay. So it should be like people that are from different countries being able or like have a background. Well, yeah. yeah, they get to wear clothes of like that come from their culture, culture so yeah. be able to so like when you look into a population it shouldn't be everyone looking the same it should be everyone expressing themselves yeah. and then this idea of self-expression is like because I express myself but I express myself within a bounce yeah. and it's like and that's because what, that's what I have to do Yeah. and I, I feel like that's how a lot of people feel yeah I think that's an interesting point because a lot of fashion rhetoric talks about being individual about being unique yeah most yeah you have this like paradox where it's like you have fashion trends where everyone wears the same clothes. Yeah. Everyone likes the, like... I think... So it's like this weird thing where it's like we're told to express ourselves to be unique, but then you get punished for being different. Yeah. No, but I think you that whole idea of being, like, Indian stuff is... Res- indie is, like, reserved for, pe- like, white people pe- who are white. Yeah. yeah. No, because, like, when I see black... Because, like, black women are always, like... Um, 
wearing like brighter like especially like the idea of like do you know how there's like the idea of like ghetto black women like mm. when you look at like the trends like in terms of like um hair like the braids yeah. and the um laying their edges like yeah. wearing these bright colors like they're at the forefront of fashion yeah like and i would even say like but they're not trans, getting credit for No, but, like, trans black women as yeah. well are, like, really on the fr- forefront of, like, yeah. creating trends. And they're not getting the credit, credit for it. And when they're doing it, it's, like, ghetto and it's seen as, like, yeah. gross. Yeah. And then when other people appropriate those trends, it's suddenly, like, it's appropriate. It, like, it's cool. you could yeah. talk about, buzz, like, BuzzFeed and stuff is always like, oh, look at this new trend, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, it's not new. You see, yeah. Like, this has been my whole life. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> And it's often, like, really humiliating because they'll use it the wrong way yep. as well. Like, how Marc Jacobs got credit. Like, Marc Jacobs inspired mini buns. Oh, really? That was so... <laughs> that was, like, insane. Mark in- I didn't hear about... Wow, mini oh, buns. This, yeah, mini buns. So it's... Um, oh, I'm blanking out on the name. Um, black women call it... Oh, I'm so humiliated. But, yeah, this okay. definitely... This, this, yeah, like, the whole neocolonialism, yep. it's like... You know, the Definitely whole p- fashion there. design is supposed to be creative original. Yeah. Well, what for, if you're saying is that they're just taking from other cultures, getting credit, making money, and while these people... Bantu knots. What? Sorry. <laughs> they're called Bantu knots. Ban- oh! Bantu knots. knots. <laughs> oh, and that the whole... Is that the whole top knot so, phase? Yeah, yeah, so it's called Bantu knots, and then they were like, Mark got- Jacob inspired mini buns, and then, and then like- all white women started doing it, <laughs> and it was like... <laughs> Yeah, it's like, you know, when they get to do the branding, it sells. Yeah. Like, when they present this thing, for example, with what's happening lately with the Philippines right now, is that there's this cafe, a fine dining cafe in New York, and it's called Manila Social Club. And they uh, introduced this ube donuts with the topping of a 24-karat gold. Yes. What? Yeah. yeah. Can that- you eat gold? It's not... If it's, it's thin enough. It's like little scratches of it. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, you are crazy. it's like it costs like $100 per donut. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think that, you know, because ube is like a Filipino crop. It's a root crop. Yeah. Same as potato, sweet potato. It's just, it looks like a potato, but <laughs> it's purple in the inside. Yeah. But, you know, if you think uh, this... Um, Manila Social Club didn't glamorize ube yeah. with gold. Do you think it would be really popular? I I don't think so. Yeah. You know, it won't be named as the next superfood, like yeah. the kale and everything oh, yeah. else. <laughs> and then the fact that we can't, like, afford food from our cultures when vegans find it. Like, white <laughs> vegans. They find it and then they're like, oh, it's a new superfood. And then it becomes too expensive. And then yeah. people from yeah. those cultures can't afford it. Yeah, like, how if that food was the staple of that country yeah like it you know it would cost much higher like in the philippines ube one kilo costs like less than a dollar yeah if this um hype continues maybe i would buy like yeah it no. would cost heaps and it's it would cost they, it's it's you make more money by exporting it yeah, yeah. so then the, the local people are like okay we're gonna eat something yeah. else <laughs> let's export this yeah. and then it's like if it's a staple like Damn. Yeah, yeah. The whole meals are going to change. And yeah. especially because the reason why you eat certain foods is because you get nutritional value from yeah. them. Yep. So now there's going to be people that obviously have to yeah. export it and then don't eat it anymore because basically they can't afford the food that they're producing. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Like, it's you know, it's also going to run dry the land of the Philippines in time. And <laughs> yeah. it's really sad. It's- 
But you know, this stuff is very deeply rooted, and I just don't know what's gonna happen next. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, I did enjoy another hour of life in color. Did you guys? No, <laughs> yeah, thanks for it. having me. Oh, uh, thank you, Dil. Yeah, and anytime, we, anytime, of course. <laughs> yeah. And um, catch us next week. And that's another episode by Life in Color. Tune in next week for another discussion and join the conversation on Facebook, Life in Color, and follow us on Twitter at It's Life in Color. See you next week.